First of all, I want to thank Brother Chad for the word that he brought last week as our newly licensed minister here at Bethel Baptist Church, and we're excited about what is going to happen in his life as he and Jada uh, embark on this uh, new direction of uh, ministry, and we just pray in Jesus' name that God's going to bless you both. Amen? Looking forward to it. Uh, I just want to build on, if it's possible, the foundation that Chad has led or left for us uh, about revival, because we're all in need of revival. Amen? In Psalm chapter 85, verse 6, the song leaders of God's people asked God this question. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Can I remind you of Chad's message last week? That if we are going to experience real and lasting revival in this church family, it will be entirely God's doing in response to your faithfulness. Did you hear that? If we're going to have revival, it's going to be God's doing in response to your faithfulness. But let's be clear on this one issue. Before you can be revived, you've got to be vived in the first place. Amen? Perhaps the greatest hindrance in the churches in America, the greatest hindrance to revival in America is the fact that her churches are filled with too many people pretending to be Christians. What's hindering revival? Too many people coming to church every week pretending to be a Christian. Too many people are going through the same habitual, ordinary, blah, 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 religious activities week in and week out without experiencing a relationship with God through his risen son, Jesus Christ. Too many people experiencing a ritualistic churchianity without experiencing a relational Christianity. How many of you know there's a difference? Amen? So friend, if you desire forgiveness for your sin, if you desire heaven to be your eternal home, I want you to know that today can be your day to be vived. Amen? And for those of you who are already vived, I want you to know that if you know that you're born again and you know that you're experiencing this relationship day in and day out with God, that you may quite possibly need to be revived. Amen? Now, I can grasp the concept of placing my trust in Christ to save me from my sin. I can understand that I'll never be good enough to save myself. But one of the most difficult things about Christianity for me is what Paul said 
in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are to be walking by faith, not by sight. That's difficult for me. But what if, what if we actually caught a glimpse of the glory of God right here at Bethel? What would happen if we actually saw it? What would happen if we actually witnessed God doing spectacular things right here? Y'all know what right here is, right? But I think there's a bigger question. The bigger question is, what is our response to what he's already doing? What is your response to what God's already doing here? If you would go to Psalm chapter 138, listen to David's response to what God was already doing. Listen to King David's response to the Lord's goodness. He wrote in verse 1, I will praise you, God, with all my heart. Can I tell you that's what revival is? God's people, each and every one, praising God with all their heart. Before the gods, that is, before the kingly rulers, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name. For your loving kindness and for your truth. For you, God, have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. And you made me bold in strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the word of your mouth. Can I tell you that something else that happens when revival occurs? God's word begins to be spoken by God's Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of God. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from afar off. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, has anybody ever been in the midst of trouble? Though I walk in the midst of trouble, God says, David says, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Let us pray. Father God, Lord above, we pray for revival. Lord, help us to understand what that entails. It means that there's going to be a lot of change going on around here. Lord, if we pray for revival, help us to understand there's going to be a lot of change that's going to have to occur in the person we see in the mirror. Lord, for revival to occur, a great many things will have to change. So let us seek revival with all our hearts. 
And in Jesus' name we pray it. And all God's people said, Amen. Now David was a man who trusted God. Known as a man after God's own heart. David was a man who walked with God for many, many, many years. David was also a man who got himself in trouble. Anybody here ever got yourself in trouble? Raise your hand if you ever got yourself in trouble. Hallelujah. I'm not the only one. And when David was in trouble, when David was at a spiritual low in his life, when David felt distance between he and God, do you know what he did? He prayed and he asked God to revive him. And you're not going to believe what happened. Every single time that David prayed and asked God to revive him, God did it. Every time. He did it. He revived David. But let's be honest with each other. Not very many of us here today have seen real revival. We've seen some really good services. We've seen people get saved at services. But we have not seen real revival. People today talk a whole lot about revival in the church. People today uh, talk about revival, but we've never really experienced it in our own lives or in our own church. But I want you to know this today. The Bible says that revival is possible. Revival in our own lives, revival in this church is possible. And today, I want to preach about what happens when revival occurs. Now, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask each and every one of you here today, each and every one of you, I'm going to ask you to respond to what God said to you through his word. We're going to get honest today. We're not going to hide behind religion anymore. We're going to get honest today, and we're going to respond to what God says to us today. So let's get real. Let's get real. Let's get real about revival. Let's get real about every one of our need to be revived. And let me just tell you this, if you don't want it, if you don't want revival, then I want to invite you to go right on home right now. Go on home and say, I'm not interested in revival. I'm right where I want to be. I don't need to be revived. I'm going to the house. You can go on and I won't think a thing bad about you. But to those of you who do want it, 
To those of you who do see the need to be revived. To those of you who do need, who do see that distance needs to be closed between you and God. To those of you who see that you're on a spiritual low and it's time to get back on a spiritual high. To those of you who want more intimacy with the Lord your God, I invite you to stay and see what you can expect when revival occurs. First of all, the first thing that we notice is that God clearly moves in the midst of his people. Let's don't be hypocrites about it, okay? If, if God is moving in us as individuals, then God is going to move in this place as a church. If God is not moving in you as an individual, God ain't going to move in this place. It all begins with you. If we want to experience revival, here's how it's going to be. Are you ready? God is going to come on the scene. And he's going to begin moving in this place. He's going to move across this room and he's going to touch each and every single person. He's going to convict every single person. He's going to inspire every single person who's here today. But let's face it. Most people don't really want that. But in the Bible, when God was present, when God's power was present, Lives changed. So if you're praying for revival, you're praying that you'll be changed. Some of you may be praying, God, send revival to Bethel Baptist Church. But guess what? God ain't listening. God ain't listening, and you know why? Because he's looking into your heart, and he knows you don't really want to change. He's looking into your heart. He sees that you're fine the way you are. He knows that most people don't want to change. But let me tell you this. If the power of God was permitted to change each and every one of us here today. This room wouldn't be able to hold all the people that would come here. You wouldn't have to say a thing. People would drive by this place, they would see that it's getting crowded, and they would say, I want to be a part of what God is doing there. You wouldn't have to say a word. Word would spread like wildfire that God is moving in the midst of his people here. That's what happens when revival occurs. Something else that happens when revival occurs is that God fills his people with the Holy Spirit. Now, God's people have the Holy Spirit within them. The sad thing is, is very few are filled. You understand where I'm headed? Do you understand what I'm saying? We have him there, but we're not filled with him. 
I believe today that if this one single thing would happen, if this one single thing would happen here today, we would have one barn burner of a revival. What is that one thing? If you, say me. If you, if I would come to this altar and I would give everything to God that stands between he and I, if you would come to this altar and pray and ask God to take away everything that stands between you and he, if you would just get right with God on every level, if you would humbly confess your failures, if you would humbly confess your sins, then God will fill you like never before. If you would just get right with God, and if everybody did that, if everybody did that, then revival would start today, not next Sunday. Do you know how cool it would be if I had to call Brother Larry in Cleveland, Tennessee, and say, Brother Larry, I almost hate to tell you this, but you missed it by about a week. You ain't going to believe what happened here today. God brought a Holy Spirit revival, and people all over that church house were getting real. They were getting right with God. And God moved mightily in our midst, and he filled us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God. We'll see you next year. And if we all got right with God, and we went home and we read Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. You would see what living a spirit-filled life is all about. Sir, that means that you would begin loving your wife like Jesus loves his people. Ma'am, that means that you would begin following and respecting your husband when he did that. You would begin to honor him as the spiritual leader in your home when he loved you like Jesus loves the church. Christian, that means that you would begin being an imitator of God. Walking in the spirit that you should not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That you would begin putting on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Young people, that means that you would come back to a place where you honor and respect your mom and dad. Dad, that means that you would come to a place where you begin raising your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But if we're honest, most people in the church don't really want to live that way. It's good here but it ain't good there. Most wives don't want to follow their husbands unless it suits them. Most men don't want to love their wives like that unless it suits them. 
Most young people don't want to love and respect their mom and dad unless it suits them. So what happens is we get down and we pray, but God knows we don't really want it. Tell you something else that God does when revival occurs. He empowers his people to live holy lives. When revival occurs, God enables us to live obediently to his word. There will no longer be lip service. You know what lip service is? It means you're talking a whole lot, but you ain't doing nothing. There will no longer be lip service. There will be believers practicing what they preach. There will be believers becoming effective witnesses in their words and in their lives to the glory of God. You know, some people pray for revival. They pray for revival, but God knows they're not going to tithe to give to the ministries that are going to be built. People pray for revival, but God knows that they're not going to be faithful to help in the ministries that are going to be done here. They pray for revival, but God knows that they're not going to be used as instruments for outreach. You need to know today, God knows. God knows. So if you're praying for change, but you're not willing to change, Guess what? Your prayer ain't going to be answered. I'm not saying that you're not saved. All I'm saying is that when a person becomes a part of the family of God, they become vitally involved in everything the family does. So if there's something wrong with the way you're living out your life in the family of God, I want you to know this this morning. God gives fresh starts. You know, that's really what revival is all about. Revival's all about a fresh start. Revival's all about a new beginning. And God offers that to us so that we can start afresh and start brand new. He'll empower you to live the life he's called you to live. But God also enables his people to persevere in prayer. When revival occurs. Let me just. I wonder something. How many of you by raised hand. Would be willing to stay here. All afternoon. To pray. For revival. Keep them up. How many of you would be willing to come back Saturday night and pray all night long? All night long for revival next Sunday. Do you see the problem? 
Mark it down. Every major revival in every generation in every country in every denomination has started with prayer. Something happens when God's people pray. I don't even understand it all myself. All I know is, is that something happens when God's people pray. You see, the spiritual temperature of a church can be determined by how people are willing to pray. The spiritual temperature of a church rises and falls with its willingness to pray. We talked about this Wednesday. Prayer is kind of like the thermometer and the thermostat of the church. Prayer is the thermometer of the church because it will tell you how hot that church is. Prayer is the thermostat for the church because it'll tell you that the church is willing to jack up the heat. I'll tell you this. If we ain't praying, revival ain't coming. And the problem is, there's an unwillingness to pray. When revival occurs, God clearly moves in the midst of his people. God fills his people with the Holy Spirit of God. He empowers his people to live holy lives. He enables his people to persevere in prayer when revival occurs. Sounds like that's exactly what we need. We need revival because we can't persevere in prayer. Let me tell you something else God does. God points his finger right at us and says, it's you, buddy. I hate when people point at me. So I'm just going to point at myself, amen, rather than you. All of y'all point at me. Thanks a lot. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Familiar story to many of you, unfamiliar to others. But the story occurred after David fell into sin, committing adultery with Bathsheba, and ultimately killing her husband on the front line. And after that transpired, the Lord sent a man named Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 12, there were two men in one city, one was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had exceedingly 
traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David looked at Nathan and he said, My anger is greatly aroused toward this man. As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold the lamb because he did this thing because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. He pointed that finger. You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. I gave you your master's wives and your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in your sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with your sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Revival occurs when God's people quit blaming the preacher. Revival occurs when you quit blaming your husband, when you quit blaming your wife, when you quit blaming your children, when you quit blaming your deacons, when you quit blaming your church for the lack of revival. Revival occurs when God points his finger right at you and says, it's you, buddy. You're the reason why there's no revival in this place. You're the one. You're the one that doesn't want it. You're the one that's not praying. You're the one that doesn't want it. You're the one, buddy. Who else is going to step inside that circle? Every one of us needs to come to the realization that I am responsible. Say, I am responsible. You are. I am. 
I am responsible for this lost generation of people. I am responsible. Say it. Yes, you are. I am responsible for the spiritual condition of this nation. Say it. Yes, you are. I am responsible for the progress and condition of this church. Say it. Yes, you are. Not a small group of us. Not just the leadership. All of us are responsible for a lost generation of people, a nation gone wrong, and the progress and condition of this church family. God points his finger directly in your face. He says, it's you, buddy. Finally, Revival occurs when God begins to help our biology catch up with our theology. Amen? Revival occurs when God begins to help our life match up with our beliefs. You see, it really is not a belief unless you're living it out. Amen? You understand that? You can claim you believe something all your life, all you want, but if your life ain't living it out, you don't believe it. In simple terms, that means we practice what we preach. In simple terms, what we believe is what we do. We begin talking a little bit less, walking a whole lot more. We begin reading our Bibles, and when that Bible says, be angry and sin no more, and we go home and there's cursing and filth on TV, you know what we do? We get mad and we turn it off. Revival is going to occur. There's got to be a return to the Bible and a return to prayer. And when that happens, we'll begin living out our faith in word and in deed. We'll begin growing in our relationship with the Lord. We'll begin yielding our own desires to God's desires and becoming the instruments in God's hand He wants us to be. When revival occurs, God clearly moves in the midst of his people. You'll know if revival's occurred or not. You'll be able to say on Wednesday morning, revival's occurred or it ain't happening. Revival occurs when God fills his people with the Holy Spirit. Oh, you'll know. You'll know Wednesday morning after the revival. When revival occur occurs, God empowers his people to live holy lives. You'll know. God also enables you to persevere in prayer. You'll know that today. Because if you're not genuinely praying for revival and all that that entails, you can kiss revival goodbye. Because it ain't happening if you ain't praying. So all you'll be able to blame is yourself. All I'll be able to blame is me. If I don't pray for revival. Because God points his finger right at me and he says, it's you, buddy. Everybody in that circle is who needs to be doing the things of God to bring about revival. Real and lasting revival comes by God's doing as a result of our faithfulness to him. 
Finally, God helps our biology to catch up with our theology. A lot of times we say we believe something, but we're not living it. And your life, the life you live, is the brightest testimony that you can ever give to the lost person. Does your biology match up with your theology? So, how will you respond to the truth you just heard? This altar is available for anybody that needs to get real and get right with God. If you can't kneel at the altar, you can sit on the front pew. I'm available for anybody that needs guidance back into a close fellowship with God. Many people in this building are available for those that don't have a relationship with God but desperately want it. You can be both vibed and revived this morning. So as we ponder the occurrence of real and lasting revival in this church family, it all boils down to one question. How will you respond? Father in heaven, you can quicken our hearts and quicken our souls to respond in a way